We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Today, we are going to highlight yet another one of those early manuscripts known as the Perugino Petropolitanus, or the BNF. And Dr. J have a hard copy here that he will uh, basically show you when uh, it's the right time to do so during the show. With me here, of course, is Dr. J. And uh, we want to thank you, as always, for your contributions uh, in this field, brother. And uh, you've been uh, really instrumental in highlighting a lot of these issues uh, for many years now, not necessarily just today. And uh, today, of course, is going to be uh, yet another a step towards the confirmation that a book called the Quran was not a standardized book or a fixed text for a long time. Absolutely. And the uh, Petropolitanus is the one that François de Roche has had the most uh, influence over because it's there in the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris where he lives, and he is the one that really has done the germinal study on it. But Alta Kulich and Ekmendelsson also went down, and they talk about it in this book here. They refer to the Petropolitanus. Uh, so we're going to unpack a little bit, and I've got the Petropolitanus right here. You can see pictures of it right as you go, uh, on that side. Uh, that's the mail that I've already used in the last episode. Here is the Petropolitanus. It's very similar, and you can see that uh, it has a bleed through, but it's going the other direction. So you can see. So the bleed through is the backside. Backside. This just means it's bleeding through. The it's not a polymer, though some people have thought it was because of that. But you can see it's going the other way. So that's proof that it's nothing more than the lower, the backside. If you look, you'll notice it doesn't have, as we said earlier, uh, like with the ma'il and with the top copy, it doesn't have the vowelization. These had yet to be invented, which in, we're talking about the 8th century here. The, the vowels were really added at the late 8th century and beginning of the 9th century, and it doesn't have the dots. The dots were be starting to be introduced, but they were not on this one here. And so this is, you can see it has, much like the ma'il, it has the three dots when you have a versification. There's a medallion, but it's been put in at a later date. Over here, you can see it's a completely different style. You notice? Yeah, I mean, so so the writing style diverse and uh, proving and that it's also, probably written, probably at later dates with different with different scribes. There you go back to another style, and then you have another style over here. So obviously, there's an awful lot that 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 you can unpack from this, but it's you cannot read this. You had to have a hard time reading this, wouldn't you? Uh, without knowing the Arabic, of course, first of all, and second, without dottings and diacritical markings, yeah, it will be a challenge for it would even be a challenge Arab for speaker. you for anybody, and right. that's why we do need the dottings, and that's why the dottings had to be quickly invented so mm-hmm. they could read what they had in their hands. Let's continue on. When you when Alta College and Exanam Manlu, what they what they uh, said? Well, let's first see what Dorosh says here. This is what he says about it. There are three. There are three. Uh, 
manuscripts that they have in their possession in the Bibliothèque Nationale, three fragments of manuscripts, not full manuscripts. Mm-hmm. None of these are full. The, the Arab 328 is the largest, and it is only 26% of the Quran. The Arab 30G is the second largest. It's only 15% of the Quran. Mm-hmm. And the Arab 614A is only 4.2% of the Quran. So we're talking about three fragments or Partial manuscripts. These are not full. These are partial manuscripts. Mm-hmm. Not even a, just about, the largest is about a quarter of the Quran. What he says, uh, Franco de Roche, is that that even that twenty six percent, there are ninety three differences. That means manuscript variants. That means words or phrases that are different in this script manuscript than what we have in the Quran today. And he noticed that there were different writers, different copyists, different authors. As I showed you, two pages different two completely different styles of writing, and that there were later modifications and erasures and additions. So when, when we look at this, let's just go and see an example. Here's where Keith Small looks at chapter 14, verse 37, and it says, Our Lord, I have settled some of my descendants in an uncultivated valley near your sacred house. Our Lord, that they may establish prayer and make hearts among the people inclined towards them. That's chapter 14, verse 37. When you look at the Quran that we look at today, instead of and make hearts among them, it's so make hearts among them. Now you might say that's not that No, different. when is the result, the direct result of that, the so, and is just a consecutive, uh, you know, or a conjunction. Uh, uh, wow, basically here. Well, what Keith says is the difference is subtle, but it is different because the re- repentance of the people is no longer a result of Abraham's settling people near God's sacred house, as in the Petropolitanus manuscript, but instead the repentance is something Abraham is requesting of God mm-hmm. as a result of his action. In other words, so according to the standard 1924 Huff's text. There's the difference. So that has a difference in, in history. Also, mm-hmm. it has a difference in theology. So you can see why that would make a problem. These are ones that Dan looked at. When Dan Brubaker um, uh, looked at these texts, he saw quite a few uh, consonantal differences. Here you have chapter 34, verse 35, and you have what used to be kul has been changed to kalu. Now, kul means say. Kalu means they said. Right, so in the plural now. So now it's in a plural. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, from it's, a singular to a plural. From a singular to a plural. Right. And in that case, that would change the context again. That which only one man is saying. That's right. I said one man is saying here, a group of them are saying this. We are more than you in wealth and children. Now we are, uh, uh, they are, he said we are more. Now they said we are more. So who's speaking here? You can see that would change it. Right. So that's why from, uh, from, cool, or I'm sorry, it's, it's not cool, it's kala, he said. The singular one. Kul would be imperative. In this case, it's kala. It's been changed and with a wow in the aleph. It's been added at the end. Uh, when you go to Surah, 30, uh, Surah 3, Ayah 171, you have the dad, lam, uh, fadlan, bounty, which is underneath. And here's an eraser. So you can actually see the word underneath. And, and what's fascinating, the word bounty has been written over the eraser with just three letters. But you can see below, it was quite a few letters that had been erased. Why is that being erased? Well, obviously, it doesn't fit with the Huff's text. Just like Kala has been changed to Kul, uh, Kalu in the yes. earlier one example, here you have it from, from being the standardized. Perfect exists. tense to a, an imperative. So that's another, uh, another example where the changes are from today. Then we come to chapter 2, verse 137. This one is very clear. Mithli, the word mithli. Uh, 
as was omitted when this was first written. And you can see Bemithli has been added at a later date in a completely different name. So it's obviously this is at a later time. Notice it also has the Fatah and it has the Kasra. So this was at the time when the vowelization now is introduced. So this is more likely a 9th or 10th century edition or possibly even later than that. Right, I want to be fair. I mean, uh, even if you take Mithli, you can still get the idea, but here it's kind of emphasized on it again. Okay, I want to just show one other thing that he notices here. See the B here? The B, which was first written, was linked along with the letter Ma before it, has not been erased. So it now stands, the portion reads, Amanu Bimithli Bima, which is an incorrect and non-viable reading. Yeah, because initially it says Amanu Bima Amanna. Now they're saying, uh, um, uh, Amantum, I should say. Uh, now it's saying Amanu Bimithli Bima. And it should say Ma Amanna so without the B. The B should not be there. Yeah, so the so, Bimithli represented the B, actually, but they, the Ba, I should say. They didn't remove the Ba. They should have taken, they, yeah. when they've added the Bimithli, they should have taken that out. They didn't That's do right, that. Right. So they've now made it incorrect grammar. And, and this is the kind of thing that is typical of later editions. If you have people that don't know the Arabic that well, they make these kind of mistakes. But that is so bland. Uh, it's, I mean, it's um, so blatant. Sorry, not bland. It's so blatantly clear, clear that this has been added later date. The ones who did it were not even trying to hide the fact that they were correcting it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. As always, next time we're going to talk about yet another uh, early Quranic manuscript. This one is called Al-Husseini, which is in Egypt or Cairo. Thank you, brother. Thank you, everyone. This is Al-Fadi. Over and out. God bless. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al-Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. For the last few episodes, we've been zooming in and highlighting uh, a number of early Quranic manuscripts, and today... Uh, is a continuation of that focus. We are going to talk today about a manuscript that is found in Egypt called Al-Husseini, uh, basically manuscript. And with me here, of course, to unpack, uh, you know, the background behind this manuscript is Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J., thank you again, and welcome back. Thank you. Now, before we get into the Husseini, I want to just point out something. I have another manuscript here that is not part of the six that Altakulich looked at. Uh, this is the St. Petersburg manuscript that is in St. Petersburg in Russia. There are other ones. Interestingly, when you look at the cover in the English, it's in Russian and English, it says the Quran of Uthman. Mm -hmm. It says the Quran of Uthman. And then you look at it and you open it up and you will see that when you actually look at it, it's, it's whoops, I have it upside down here. Let's get it right side up. When you look at it, it's got many of the same problems. This is the Hijazi script, much like the Petropolitanus, very similar to the Petropolitanus, and also to the Ma'il that we looked at earlier. And you notice it's very similar to that. It doesn't have any diacritical marks. It does not have any vowelization, mm -hmm. the five dots or the three vowels on, in any of these. It does have some medallions where the verses are, more so than those do. So this is probably even after those. But they're claiming that this is the Thmanic. Yep, hmm. this is surely, and this one is a late 8th century, early 9th century uh, that has been this. So they always say Uthman here. I, I just want to point out this one here. The Musaf al-Sharif attributed to Uthman ibn Affan. Again, this is right. attributed. Why do they keep doing that? Well, because this is the popular notion that all of these manuscripts come from Uthman. Right. 
Remember, Uthman only had one. And none of these are the same. Take a look at this one. This is a completely different script. This is the Kufic script. That's the, uh, the what they call the Hijazi script. Completely different script. This is a much later script, much more stylized, much more beautifully, much more handicraft, proving that this is a much later script, still attributed to Uthman. And that's the lie that a lot that we have to be careful with. A lot of the Muslims are just lying through the teeth. Now, at least it says attributed. And Alta Kulich in the introduction is very careful to say, as we've noted, that he says none of these are from Uthman. So he does say that. Then why does he keep it on the cover? Well, like you said, it's the popular view. It's the popular. Let's go to the Husseini one and let's take a look at this one here. Uh, here you can see it's a huge uh, mansion. Monumental, yeah. It's monumental. It's it's doubly monumental. You don't stick that in your back pocket and w- walk around town with it. So it is certainly after late, it's even 9th century. And most of, these are, uh, most of the scholars are putting this to the 9th century. Uh, it, you can see it has, uh, there you go, much like the, uh, the other ones, you have large uh, drawings. These are geometric dollars. In fact, when you look at this, they actually go into these drawings, showing them where they come from different mosques. And that's why you can pretty well know that this is also a later script from that. Um, conclusion of Alta Kulich and Ekmen al-Nasanlu on the Husseini manuscript. First and foremost, they say right from the beginning, this is not Uthmanic. It is dated from the early to mid-8th century. Other scholars like Dorosh put it to the 9th century. Mm-hmm. So that's where a dispute comes in. Again, you're talking about a hundred years difference in their dating. How is it that uh, that Ekmenin uh, and Altkolich say they don't really say why they make that claim? They just know it's not seventh century, so they're putting it back to uh, after Al Hajjaj and after Al Malik. That's true. They're making it in the eighth century. It was stated that the Cairo copy, and this is the Husseini manuscript, might have been written on the order of the Abd Aziz ibn Marwan, the governor of Egypt. However, the reason for reaching this conclusion has not been explained. This is their quote. We share the view that this copy is not one of the Muslims attributed to Caliph Uthman at all. What's more, when you look at it, and you'll see it has manuscript variants, but this is what's interesting. Look at the manuscript variants. Every one of these, these are coverings. This is something that the Husseini manuscript has a Erasers or deletions, basically. No, these are coverings. These are not erasers or deletions. The idea is to erase something by covering it. You know, yeah. you don't want it to be read. These are tapings. Right. I hope you all realize that. So you can see a tape there, a tape there, a tape there. Look at that. They're taping over, covering over top. One, two, three, four, five, six on this page right here. When you're doing that, you're right. They're erasing. They're That's the category. Censoring yeah. it. Yeah. So when uh, um, Dan Brubaker looked at this, he says, wow. They're not even trying to hide it. They're not even writing over top of it. They're not even including. They are, but we'll never know until we are able to give. You can see a little bit of the of line. You can see a little of, of one that's coming from below. We will never know what's on what they're covering because it's now been censored. So what has been left behind? Uh, whatever matches today's Quran. Whatever matches this Quran, the Hafs right. text, the continental text. Here's one, especially this one is almost laughable. I'm not even going to go into all, actually, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different coverings on just one page. It is so, it, it is so censored that what's left over almost just looks like chicken scratches. <laughs> so you can see, you can hardly read it. I, you even have a hard, well, you, don't, you can't read because of the dots and the vowels are missing as well. But can you see, there is so much censorship on this manuscript that it, 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 it's hard to take this seriously. And yet this is the problem that Muslims aren't aware of. 
And you Muslims who are watching this, you've got to show us and you've got to prove with us that this could be anything near what what we have written, uh, even at the time of Abdul Malik and Al-Hajjaj. This has been attributed to Uthman. It has nothing to do with Uthman much, much later. And yet all these coverings, all these erasers, all these coverings over top and writing over tops that you don't, you do that when you're trying to standardize it, when you're censoring it, full of censorship here, proving that even after Al-Hajjaj and Malik, they're still censoring it, they're still covering it. So it matches the consonal text of this. Now stop and think, when was this chosen? This was chosen during the Ottoman period as the official text. Right. The Ottomans come to power in 1299. That means almost every one of these corrections are done after 1299. The 13th century. So between the, the 13th yeah. century up to the 12, uh, 1924, almost all these corrections were done. So uh, from the 13th up to the 20th. So that 700-year period is where we know all this happened. And the reason why, because the Ottomans controlled all these manuscripts. Remember, the Ottomans, the Ottoman Empire controlled Baghdad and Damascus. They controlled all the material that was in that they dispersed to all the different cities. Now, of course, the ones that are in London and Paris didn't used to be in London and Paris. They were then right. they were then bought by the British Library. They were bought by the Bibliothèque Nationale, but they came from other sources, from other parts of the Muslim world. During the Ottoman Empire, you can then see why you had wholesale censorship, standardization to bring it down so it matched the continental text that we see now, what we call the Huff's text that was chosen in 1924. Wonderful, wonderful work as always. Thank you so much for highlighting this. Next time, we're going to talk about yet another one of those early Quranic manuscripts. This one is a palimpsest. It's called the Sana Manuscript. It's a collection of many manuscripts, but there are specific ones that uh, we are going to focus on. Until next time, have a blessed day. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Today we're going to highlight yet another damaging early Quranic manuscript known as the Sana Manuscript or Sana Palimpsest. And with me here, of course, to discuss that is Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and this is the number six of the ones that were studied by Al-Tukulich and Ekmen and Nisalulu. Uh, that's why we're highlighting them, because in this book here, the Musaf al-Sharif, they highlighted all six as being the earliest. They claim that these are the six earliest. Mm -hmm. There's another one we're going to follow after this called the Birmingham Folio that we need to get into because that also would be credited with being even earlier. Nonetheless, we'll get to that. This one here, the the Sana, I, is probably the most exciting. I like this one the most because it's the most recent one that was discovered. In 1975, they were uh, the Sana Mosque there in Yemen. They were cleaning out the dome of the mosque, which is quite normal, and they came across a trap door, which is also quite normal. When they opened the trap door, all these manuscripts fell to the ground. Now, that's not surprising. Uh, when manuscripts start to get worn out from usage, people um, uh, using them, they don't burn them, they don't uh, destroy them, they actually just hide them up in domes of mosques, which is quite normal, and then they forget them. In this case, they have forgotten about these, uh, but th what was surprising is when they started collecting them, looking at them, they could not read them, because a, a number of these manuscripts didn't have any dots or vowels, right. <laughs> proving that they were very early. 
since they couldn't read them, uh, they asked permission from the Germans. Now, the Germans are the only ones in the world who can read them. (laughs) Germans being Germans, they always are great linguists. And they asked three German scholars from Saderland University in Saarbrücken, which is Western Germany, to fly down. Dr. Bothmer, Dr. Oleg, and particularly Dr. Gerd Quinn, who is considered to be one of the leading scholars in this whole area. They all flew down in 1981 to look at this manuscript. As soon as they saw this manuscript, they quickly asked if they could take pictures of it and put them in microfilms. And they did so because they realized that they had a real treasure trove because now you have a manuscript that didn't have any dots and vowels. Let me just go ahead and look at the slide here. Uh, Here you can see a picture of it. Here is an actual picture of one folio, of the one page of the manuscript. Uh, this is the pictures that they took over here. So these are nothing more than facsimiles, okay? Don't, mm-hmm. don't get upset. Uh, they're not touching or, or right, making right, right. marks on the real manuscript. These are their, their pictures. What was interesting is some of the, the uh, scholars there, the Yemeni scholars, were listening to what they were saying, and they realized that, that these Germans were actually quite excited because they were seeing lots of variants. They were seeing lots of changes. They were seeing that this did not support the manuscript that we have today, the Quran we have today. And they were saying this, and they took uh, uh, said this to the authorities, and the authorities quickly confiscated their microfilms, wouldn't let them take it back to Germany with them. This was in 1981. Did not release their microfilms until the late 1990s, as I understand. I understand this is what, I, uh, this is what uh, Print and a few have said. The only reason they released them, their own microfilms to them, was because... Uh, they finally, the Germans finally allowed some scholars from Yemen to come and have scholarship in Sutherland University. So it was a tit for tat. You pay for our scholars, we'll give you your microfilms back. So they really only had chance to look at them in the late 1990s. And I went to visit Dr. Gerd Quinn. I went to his home uh, in the late 1990s. Uh, and he then, that's his hand right there. He, uh, these are my pictures. He then showed me and he said, he wanted me to look at this. Now he and his wife are the ones who have looked at this more than anybody Elizabeth, else. Yeah. Elizabeth Quinn and Doctor, both of them are doctors, and they both can read this. And he's, he, if you're looking at this, he's pointing to this, and he's saying, see, uh, look at the one on the left there, especially. You can point there, look, see where the yellow mark is? You can just right. point out that yellow mark yeah. on that. That yellow mark is the end of a chapter, or the end mm-hmm. of a surah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what above is is surah 19. What's below it is surah 22. So it's not in the right order. Well, what happened to surah 20 and 21? Well, surah 20 and right. 21 on the left side of the page. Yeah. But if you look carefully, you'll see there's two completely different scripts. Right. And so Gary, two scribes. Dr. Poon was pointing that out to me. See, so you notice this on the right page is actually 705. On the left side is late 8th century. And there's 60 to 70 years between these two pages, mm-hmm. he was telling me, mm-hmm. from what they could see just by looking at script analysis. I thought that was fascinating. But then so I said, well, what are all these orange marks? If you can see these orange marks and yellow marks. He says, wherever you see an orange mark there, he told me, that's a manuscript variant that he and his wife have found. That means words or phrases that are different in that manuscript from the Quran that we have today, this one that we have here. And he says, there's about a thousand of these, a thousand of these. I couldn't believe that. Well, that's the first time I'd heard this. This is in the late 1990s. So let's look and see what the scholars are saying. And, and uh, this is what there's, uh, Dr. Akar Heinz Oleg, who is part of this team, said the Quran began to be compiled in the last two decades of the 7th century with other versions continuing until the 9th century. What he meant, why did he say two decades of the 7th century? Hold on to that. But he mentioned that these continue on until the 9th century. Gerd Prynne says this of this manuscript. There's a picture of Gerd Prynne right here, uh, who has done probably the best work on it. He said, the oldest parchments and papers of any Quranic manuscript... 
Yet more than these one is probably the oldest that we have. He's making that admission. Yet more than half of the text is ambiguous letters which need diacritical marks for understanding. Adding vowels help correct mistakes. Changes in orthography, such as the conventional spelling system of a language, are found in geographical traditional schools. But this sauna manuscript is more interesting than the others because it turns out it is a palimpsest. What do you mean by that? Well, meaning that the piece of leather uh, from the animal, because it's expensive, sometimes you wash off whatever is written on it and you write another uh, writing on top of it. So that's what the palimpsest mean. We're going to look at that. That's going to be our next episode. We're going to actually unpack what you just said. So people, they write on uh, animal skin. They don't like what they've written. They change it. New ideas come in. New material comes in. You just wash it off. And then you write over top. And what happens, it's, it's changed. You can't see it at that time. But hundreds of years later, the ink starts to bleed through. Yeah, the, the, the previous layer. Absolutely. So we're going to look at that and see what has happened. But let's just look at their conclusion. Mm-hmm. So when we look at all six early Quranic manuscripts, what do we find? Number one, that not one of them are from the 7th century. Number one. Now, the Oleg said that the lower layer is possibly from the last two decades of the 7th century. But we're going to see that's hugely problematic because of that. Secondly, none of them are complete. Not one of them is, has 114 surahs. Not one of them has 6,236 uh, verses. None of them completely agree with each other. They all have differences. They all certainly have differences with this. Uh, the top copy has 2,270 uh, differences. The, the Petropolitanus has 93 differences in just that 26% of the Quran that it, that it, uh, that it has. None of them completely agree with the current 1924 Huff's text. That's true. None of them do. We've been showing that Dan Brubaker has found 4,000 differences in these manuscripts. And just from his work. And all of them have hundreds and even thousands of subsequent manuscript variants. Uh, thousands in place of the top copy. That's probably one that's been, been, uh, been studied the most. What we're going to find next spring, it's more than what Alta Kulich has found. Much more than 2,270. But I'm not permitted to say that yet. So... When was there a complete Quran? I, this is the million-dollar question that no one is able to answer. What we're going to do, Lex, is we, we, we want to look at this sauna polymsis, unpack it a little more, and look at the lawyer layer and see what we can find out from this, the, this, uh, the scholarship that has been done on it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, as always. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And uh, stay tuned, of course, uh, until next episode. Until then, have a blessed day. <laughs>